It's Sunday, and we get together as God's family. We gather every Sunday here in order to worship, to sing, to praise, to serve, to give, and to open up His Word. We're here teaching families to know, obey, and enjoy Christ so that we might be able to be salt and light wherever God sends us. We're in 1 Peter. So you can open up your Bibles or your flat screens to 1 Peter chapter 4. But in this section, Peter recognizes that his time is short. And he shares with a group of kingdom patriots how to live as exiles, as temporary residents, as foreigners, as sojourners, all while anticipating the next life. You know, this last week, I was, it was kind of a hard week for me. I had a good friend that I went to go see in the hospital. And last Sunday... Cancer was just eating up his body. 59-year-old dad, husband. His name was Tony. We got the news Wednesday that there was no hope. That he would soon see the Lord. And he would be put on hospice. And so all the while, as I'm interacting with Tony, I'm thinking, you're going to see Jesus soon. But Peter's words seem to take a different meaning for me. Peter was near the end of his life. He had gone through about 30 years of ministry after spending three with Jesus. He knew his sheep. He understood the pressures and the hard things that they were going through. And in the last part of this letter, it's almost like he's shouting. He's saying, I've been treating you all like foreigners. Now, I don't know how long each one of you or I am going to be in exile. And this isn't really my home. And every day, you know, is a gift. But what he's saying with a little bit more passion, this older fisherman, he's saying there's some things you need to finish well. I don't know again how long you're going to have, but this is what I'd like you to focus on, my friends. And as I sat there with Tony, what we focused on was eternity. No fear in his eyes. Sad 
he's going to leave his family. But so focused, looking back at his 60 years of life, saying, I can't wait. Last week, we covered three of Peter's action points. And I encourage you to go back and get the podcast or, or listen if you missed that because I think, again, it's really important that we understand Peter's thoughts. I'm going to start reading 1 Peter chapter 4, just two verses today. Verses 10 and 11. God has given each one of you, you exiles, you sojourners, you people that are just here temporarily, a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them to, or use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything, everything, everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're looking at your word today, and, and there is great potent, potential for disaster. Sometimes we take your word casually. Sometimes we take your word in a way, Lord, where we kind of have heard this before. And other times, Lord, we, we sit at your feet and you talk to us. And we embrace your words and we receive them. And, and it brings conviction in our heart or it, or it motivates us. And I pray, dear God, that we would hear from you today. I pray, Lord, that if there's a part where we need to repent, I, I pray that that would happen, God. That your spirit would be so active. If there's a part, God, where we need to change something, we need to obey you differently, I pray, God, that that happens. Mostly, God, I just pray that, that I don't get in your way, that you just talk to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 7, we started there last week, and, and Peter just said, the end of the world is coming. So, to put this in context, he said, I want you to pray, I want you to love, and I want you to be hospitable. I want you to talk to God a lot. You're not going to make it, exiles, if you don't spend time talking to God, relying on God. And I'll tell you, one of the richest times that I've had this last week was meeting with some of you that came on Tuesday night and we had a concert of prayer. And we spent the evening just talking to God on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our church and praying for each other. It was rich. 
If any of you missed that or if any of you would like some more copies, on our table in the back, there's our prayer sheet. And on the front, there's all the different uh, political and government officials we are trying to pray for. And on the back is just loaded with our church. It's people. It's ministries. Please take one on your way out. Put it in your Bible. Use it as a, as a time when you come before God and depend on Him for strength and wisdom and power. And as we pray together, God is going to move in amazing ways. Peter also said, I want you to love. And, and a little bit different, we've heard a lot about love. We, we talked about love, but one of the things that he just said, love covers a multitude of sins. That's the thing that just kind of put me over the edge, to be quite honest. You mean if I actually love, if I actually serve others, if I actually give myself to others, when they really bug me, because I'm quite a lovable guy, when, when they really bug me, I can just let that go? Seriously, God? And then Peter said, I want you to be hospitable. I want you to be cheerfully hospitable. I want you to make sure that you make others feel at home. So those are the three things, and I'm sure, again, that those kind of marinated last week. And you're looking at that and, and, in, and spending time with God and just asking God to help you grow in some of these areas. But Peter today calls the exiles to one more action. And the action is this. Use your gift to serve others well. First of all, we're going to answer, what is a gift? What is your gift? And then we're going to focus on, how do you use it well? You see, realistically, everyone has been created in God's image. We're uniquely and perfectly created. We are born with various physical features, different abilities and intellect. And if you toss in personalities, there's are, there are those who are introverts and extroverts. Those in our community here are relationally driven, and some are task-driven. And that all happens, and, and life's experiences continue to shape each one of us. So where we grew up, or how we grew up, or if we you know, grew up in this wonderful Swedish home, and, and your mother kind of pours into you, you have kind of this Swedish bent. And you really like spritz cookies, you know? But in addition to the natural talents, believers... Those who have come to faith, those who have realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross in order to pay our debt so that each one of us might come boldly into the presence of God and be called a son or a daughter. Everyone, at the moment of salvation, whether you're at six years old or 60 years old. I used to think 60 was old. I'll go a little older. 63 all right. No matter how old you are when that happens, God gives you 
a gift. A gift. Oh, that's kind of cool. I get a gift. Some of you not only get one gift, but you get three or five or ten gifts. Oh, I must be quite special. God's given me way more gifts, you know. And, I, and I, Yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, hold on. It is cool. But we're going to find out really has nothing to do with you. Not at all. But you've been graciously given a gift. Well, let me put it this way. In addition to the stew that you are, this pot of stew, God adds ingredients at your rebirth that are very special. You know, the human body with its many parts is a better and basically a biblical metaphor. God says this, you, everyone here who is part of God's family, you are a special part of the body, and I have placed you for a reason. I have placed you actually here at Crosspoint for a reason. I am not looking at a community of noses. That would be gross. I am actually looking at a beautiful body. A body with all different kind of giftedness. And some of you, yes, are noses. And they're beautiful noses. They are. But this is God's way of helping us understand that nobody just wants a thumb. Nobody does. But thumbs are really important in the big picture is what I'm trying to say. Let's look at a few texts, okay? In Romans chapter 12, it'll be up on the screen for you, starting in verse 4, the Apostle Paul's actually writing all of this, and he says this, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body or the folks at Cross Point. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other in His grace, in His grace, because God is so much smarter than any of us. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and verses 11 and 12, Paul writes this, there are all kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same God. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help others. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it is one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have, even though some of us are very opinionated and like to tell God what gift we have. The human body has many parts, but the parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. And lastly, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 now these are the gifts of the ch- uh, now <laughs> now these are gifts Christ gave to the church the apostle he lists some here we're going to go over some lists in a second but I want to focus on the second part um, the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Every gift is given for you and for me to use in order to build up or equip the church, the community that is sitting right here. Now, the scriptures, and, and I've got to be honest here, I am not going to go into the whole teaching of spiritual gifts. That would be a way long message. Um, and I perhaps will address this some other time. But what I wanted to do is at least share with you the great variety that is listed in the scriptures. And the next slide that you're going to see focus on Romans and 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, which is our section. And you may even have a tough time reading that whole list. The idea isn't, again, that you write everything down here, but there are about 20 lists, give or take, that are mentioned in all of the scriptures, okay? Um, Let me read some of them. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. Um, We look at those, and we can even go through many more of these specific gifts. And we could go over definitions of these gifts. And sometimes, I just have to be honest, um, we get hung up on all the definitions and what actual gift we have, and what actual gift we don't have. And I'll tell you, I think it's important for you to understand what gift you have. But I don't think you need to have an advanced degree or an understanding of Greek and Hebrew in order for you to know what God did in your life, or why you're actually here at Crosspoint. I don't believe you need all of that. Now, let me share with you. I do think there's some things out, and I know some of you have used this spiritual gift analysis. And they're all over the internet. I mean, honestly, if you would Google, don't do it now. But if you were to Google spiritual gift analysis, boom, they're they're all over. I've probably got five or six that I've used over the years. I'd be glad to, again, meet with you and print these out and even go over things like that with you. Or some of our other leaders would do that. They would. But realistically, um, I think there's a better way. And, And yes, they may give you a little bit of a bent. And yes, you may understand it a, a little bit differently. I actually think the best approach is to listen to those around you, especially leaders. I don't know if you've even seen me especially work with younger people around as I interact with them, especially out in the lobby. They might be doing something, or they might have this art kind of bent. And I would walk up to that young man, and I would look and say, I can't believe you can draw like this. I can't draw like this. In fact, I am the pastor of stick figure, all right? And even when I trace, it's like, Rick, what is that? You know? No, there's not even anything in, in, in this, you know, body that has art written on it, okay? Color by number is tough for me. 
I'm letting you know. So, but what I did is I looked at that young man. I said, you know what? I think God's going to use this somewhere. I I don't know how he's going to use it. And maybe I can even have you draw something in a message or this or that. But my guess is there is something unbelievable that's going to happen in your life. And you guys have all seen it. You've seen it in other adults or other friends or in a small group. And you'll see, you know, I sat down with a couple ladies here at Crosspoint. And we were just talking about past ministries. And I am telling you, this lady and her ministry was shouting compassion. I go, what? Like, you just care about people. You don't care what they look like. You don't care what economic background they come from. It just doesn't matter. All you do is shout compassion, and you want to help. You don't want to fix them? No, I just want to help them, Rick. Oh, I'm thinking it's compassion. Again, kind of low on my scale. All right? I do want to help people. And I think we're called to do some of those things. But my heart does not bleed that way. It just doesn't, okay? So what you do, you listen to your parents. You start asking different leaders. You are serving in different areas. You say, hey, what what do you see in me? What do I do well? What are some things that, that God may be honoring? What fruit do you see happening? I also encourage this. And and you guys will know this. I recruit all the time for three months or six months or a year. I just say, jump in. Well, Rick, I've never done this before. You know what? That's okay. We really need you to jump in. Let's see if it works. Now, if you go home crabby every single night, it's not a heart issue. My guess is no. This is not your ministry. I think even as you get older, you teach people to ask questions. Hey, when I served in this area, when I went in this thing, hey, did I do well here? Did it seem to energize me? What really was going on? And so you ask and evaluate. Because again, God isn't expecting us to know, you know, have some psychological degree. God's just saying, I wired you. You're part of Crosspoint. Let's figure out together what you're supposed to be. Are you a nose? Are you an ear? Are you a toe? I don't know, okay? Don't make it complicated. I also think this. You look at this list and you go, Oh, boy, well, I got about 12 of those babies, you know. And, you know, sometimes we, <laughs> you know, our, our self-perception is a little off, you know. And, and that might be a good thing to ask some trusted people, too, like your spouse. You know, honey, I think I have the gift of wisdom. <laughs> what makes you think that, honey? <laughs> Never seen that one quite come out. <laughs> you know, now, I guess there's better ways to look at it like that or to at least spring it on them, right? <laughs> like, okay, honey, yeah, you were really wise about four years. No, um, things like that. But I don't think actually all the gifts are listed. I, I just don't. And I think, again, God used some of this and, and wired some of us, but I... I do think that we need to keep talking, listening, allow the Holy Spirit to nurture us, get us in environments and situations where we find out where our gifts really are and then use them well to serve others. You know, I don't know how many of you uh, remember who Eric Little is 
or was, actually. But Eric Little, uh, his nickname was called the Flying Scotsman. And if you've ever seen um, Chariots of Fire, this movie is about Eric Little. In fact, I would say, even though it was made in 1984, and you will laugh at all of the uh, qualities um, type of uh, effects, I would encourage you, especially if you have kids who are in sports, to look at this movie. It is amazing. But Eric Little had two passions in life. All right, was, as he was growing up, he was fast. And he ran in competition in the 100, the 200, and the 400 meter. That's what he did. He also played rugby, all right, which is kind of weird, on the national team. So he had athletics that just drove him. He loved the competition. But the other thing he really loved was God. He really loved God. And he actually felt that he was going to be a missionary called to China back in 1924. That was a hard calling, folks. But that was his heart. What I'd like to do is show you a small clip when he's actually talking to his sister, Jenny. Let me set this up. Jenny wants him to quit rugby, um, you know, the Olympics, the running. Says, don't waste your time on that. You need to go to China. And actually, Eric goes, I think I do need to go to China. But listen to what he says to Jenny. Let's watch it. I've decided I'm going back to China. The mission service have accepted Oh, I'm so pleased. So I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To get it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Jenny. Jenny. God made him fast. Eric Little died at age 45 of a massive brain tumor. In 1924, he had the world's record in the 400, which wasn't even his event. His event was the 100, but, and he probably was the one who was going to win it. But the event was run on a Sunday. And he had a commitment to God to the Sabbath. He chose not to run and not to meddle. He ran another event that wasn't on a Sunday at the 400. And he took the world's record, which literally stood for about 20 years after that. Wasn't even his race. 
You know, it was so amazing that happened in 24. 25, he stayed around for a little bit longer, but then he ended up over in China, only came back to England two more times in his life because travel was hard. He ended up working in a camp filled with disease and undernourished people. And he died there in 1945. I go, God, like, this man was amazing. Like, well, what's your timetable, God? Like, aren't there a lot of other people that maybe could have brain cancer? Well, what is that all about? He honored God. Because he was fast. And he used that over and over to bring God glory. Now again, whether he was fast when he was born or whether God gave him that extra adrenaline and coordination for that 400, I don't know. But I know this. Is that Eric Little had a bunch of world records. But my guess is he was more concerned about the heavenly ones. You know, at times, no matter what gift we have, there's something called all hands on deck. All right? I loved, and again, you know I'm new, but I loved the Crosspoint Workday yesterday. And I know not every one of you were able to come. But unbelievable how all these different people, and as you walk out, even in the lobby, you will see all these slides that happened yesterday. Little ones and big ones, old ones and skinny ones and other ones. And all I am saying is that we came together. In an unbelievable, it was so much fun. I didn't know that we've got a guy here that rides a Harley and plants flowers. It was like, really? This, you're very diverse. Um, it's all I can say, uh, you know. I, I looked at some of this. There were people that had gift of wheelbarrow. Did, did you know that? And gift of rake. And gift of paintbrush. And gift of bulb. And gift of stepping in paint. Um, I did not know that gift existed. But there, there was a gift of that too. Okay? And so on. And as you look, I am really sure that we all didn't just function in our gifted area there. But we all lent a hand. It was kind of fun. You know, I, the way I look at it is this. We all need to change diapers at times. I'm not so sure you all have the gift. Okay? But if there's a need, some, sometimes you just do things for a short time because, hey, you know what? Got to get done. We're all called to share the good news. We've talked about the amazing thing that God has done for each one of us. How the gospel has absolutely transformed our lives. And every one of you can be articulate in this. And every one of you can share this story of God's amazing transformation in your life. But you know who has the gift of evangelism? It's not just Billy Graham, although he does. It's the fruit you can see. How come some people who are so very, very, very faithful in sharing good news, well, only a few people over the years might have come to faith. 
And what about this other bozo? Doesn't even know the Bible as well as I do. All he does is open his mouth and, oh, yeah, I'll come into the kingdom. This is awesome. What's that all about? Well, what it's all about is he's got the gift of evangelism. That's all. We're all called, again, to faithfully use what God has given us. I do think talents and gifts are a whole lot more uh, difficult to distinguish if it comes, if you come to faith at six years old. Six years old, it's just really hard to figure out what's a talent and what's a gift. But you know what? It's not so hard if you're 40 and Jesus comes and becomes part of your life. It's, it's pretty clear on what God has done in your life at that moment. Now, once you discover your gift, use your grace-given gift to serve others well. Or let me say it this way. Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Now, I think I may offend some people in the next few minutes. And I don't actually want to do that. Because I like to be liked, you know. But I think really what God is saying here is really, really important. We have all been given a gift to use in the church. The reason God blessed you and me is so that you might use that gift right here in the local church. Many of you know I'm really involved up at Silver Birch Ranch and there's been other times and missions that I've had an opportunity to be part of and even some people have asked, Rick, are you going to like eventually end up at Silver Birch? And my answer is... No, I, I don't think so. I don't. Nothing wrong with that ministry. And my brother and I, who's the director, we often have these conversations, like who has a better job? And I win. It's all. I do. I get to be a pastor. I get to be in a church. I get to work with sheep. That's what I get to work with. Serve and equip. Because God's plan A in the kingdom is his church. He has brought this together in order for us to be salt and light. Church is his number one priority. And God has given you a gift or two or five or ten. Be generous with that gift. Resources are always expended, but they're always replenished. And God gives the results. Gifts are a divine enablement for the ministry to the body. But God gives gifts and expects a return on the investment. You know, you often will hear, especially if you've been around churches for a while or maybe listen to a certain podcast, the word steward. Now, most of us don't get that word steward. It's pretty common in the first century. But we understand a little bit better manager. And it's probably a better word to use. 
But Jesus told a parable. Actually, he told lots of parables. You know that. But the one I'd like to focus on happened in Matthew 25. It starts at verse 14. And this is the parable of the three servants or the parable of the three managers. And I'm just going to read the first few verses, starting at verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated, this is Jesus talking, by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money. He called together his servants and entrusted his money, the owner's money, to them while he was gone. He gave some five bags of silver, another one two bags of silver, and the other one one bag of silver, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Now, many of you have heard this story, but the, the servant who received the five bags went, invested it, and made five more. The servant that had um, two bags invested it and made two more. And the servant that had one bag was scared out of his wits of the owner. And he went, and he goes, well, I, I, like, I, th- this is a tough owner. He's going to expect something. I'm going to go bury this, and when he comes back, I'll just give him his money back. No big deal. And actually, most of us, if we listen to that story without any of the biblical kind of stuff that we have, say, it's not necessarily bad, right? It's not like he stole the one bag, you know. And the other ones, they're just a little, they have a little more energy. That's all. They're kind of really uh, great managers. Ah, one is not such a good manager. That's all. Nice person lousy manager. But if you read through that parable, there's great celebration for the ones who invested. And actually, the master, when he comes back, isn't mad and say, well, how come you didn't invest even more? How come you didn't even give more? How come? And, And no, I gave you so much and you invested. I gave you so much and you invested. And the one, I gave you one. And read the parable. The owner is livid, not just kind of casually upset. It's like, are you crazy? I gave you some money, my money, to invest. And what did you do? You buried it. Like, that is crazy. In fact, it, it infuriates me. He's like, hey, settle down, dude. You know, have a cup of coffee. No, this is a big deal. And I think we forget that when God gives us something, he expects us to use it. And you'll read, and to those who've done well with their investments, I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to give you this. And you are going to be so effective in the kingdom. You see, none of us are irreplaceable. But we are all important with assignments. It's really important. Now let me just say this. You are at cross point for a reason. 
Everyone's sitting here. Now, granted, you might be a guest today. You say, what did I just walk into? Or you might be some friends of ours and just around and didn't know what to do on a Sunday. But the majority of you, you would call this place your home. This is your community. This is the place where you have roots. And I'm finding out a lot of you have family roots. All right? But here's our marching orders. Enthusiastically serve others well in this church. You are not given a gift to hide it. Your gifts are not for your benefit. They're for the benefit of others. And I don't know, again, how long-term any of you stay. But some of you know my history. Sometimes we would get interns from a school. Or sometimes, even if I was up at camp and I was directing in different ways, people would come up for one week. And I'd look at them and said, let's invest for one week. Let's invest. You're you're here. You're um, only going to be around for spring break. Want to invest? What time do you have? And nobody really knows, but if God's given you a gift, one of the first questions each one of us need to ask is, how am I going to invest it right here? You see, when believers employ their gifts in serving one another, they minister in a fashion that mutually benefits the church. Our church will get stronger. There aren't any uh, petty arguments. When someone else has a gift that we don't have, we are so glad. Because we all don't want to be thumbs, as I mentioned to you before. We want to be an unbelievably coordinated body. Now let me say this, conversely, the non-use of gifts or operating long-term in a non-gifted area also adversely affects Christ's body. Using your God-given gift with your God-given energy is called serving. It is the well-coordinated athlete. I know I'm going to share a little bit of my prejudice, but, you know, there's a lot of different athletics, and I'm sure chess people will probably be a little angry at this comment. I think chess is important, but I just probably wouldn't call you an athlete this moment, all right, unless you're a chess player that plays basketball. Basketball, to me, is the un- believably most athletic type of a person. A a good basketball player has to be good at spurts and endurance. A good basketball player has to be able to perform with a team and as an individual. They have to be able to jump. They have to be able to run. They have to be able to play defense. It is just an unbelievable... And and the greatest of all basketball players, you look at them and your tongue hangs out. How did he or she do that? My guess is because he or she shot 500 baskets a day and are very coordinated. 
because I can shoot 500 baskets a day, and I'm pretty sure no one's going to sign me up. You know? Unbelievable. And that's what the body is. The body is. You know when you're uncoordinated, you know what uncoordinated actually means? It means your body's fighting against each other. That's all. You, you've seen, especially some adolescents, like, whoa, you're having a tough time, like, walking and drinking water at the same time, you know? It'll pass. It'll pass. But their body's learning. They're growing. All these things are happening, man. It's like crazy. But God says this. See what you have. Let's use it. Let's be an unbelievably coordinated body here at Cross Point. But let me just quickly go over this. Paul says there's some major roadblocks to serving others well. And the first one, in my opinion, is self-centeredness or the lack of love. It is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read through just the first... I'll read through uh, verse 7. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all secret things and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that it could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then the next four verses, love is patient and kind. And the definition goes on. If any of you remember, but 1 Corinthians 12 is a whole list of all the gifts. And Paul's saying this, I don't care if you're the greatest speaker in the world. I don't care if you're the greatest giver in the world. I don't care if you have the most talent in all of Cross Point Church. And people just are just so blessed in grace because you walk into the room. If you or I don't serve lovingly, kindly, we are disqualified. A lack of love will disqualify you to serve here in this church. There are other roadblocks to serving others well. One's called inertia. Inertia. Now, Sharon was checking my, uh, power, or my keynote uh, last night. She goes, inertia? What's inertia? Here's inertia, honey. Okay, here we go. In physics, <laughs> you all know I'm very educated in physics. In physics, Newton's first law of motion states that an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. (laughs) Objects tend to keep on doing what they're doing. In fact, it is a natural tendency of objects to resist changes in their state of motion. This is the tendency to resist changes in their state of motion is called inertia. I think there are good reasons for us to be at rest at times. But the problem is in the church. A lot of us are at rest. And we enjoy the rest. All right. I think again, 
we need to ask God what he's called us to do. I think another thing is laziness. It's just plain laziness. Um, It's a lack of planning or effort. It's, hey, you know what? I really don't need to show up anyway. I mean, hey, those junior high kids are going to be taken care of. If that is your gift, (laughs) it's not a lot of people, but if it is your gift, you need to be there. That's what I'm saying. I don't care how old you are. You need to be there. Use it. What about ignorance? Now again, some people uh, just are new to faith. I get it. They don't even have an idea that they have a gift or anything. But some might just be ignorant of God's ways. What would happen literally if 50 people gave us calls this week and said, you know what, Rick, I'd love to be able to get connected at Crosspoint. What would the elders do with that? 50 people, it's a great problem they have, Rick, but do we even have 50 ministries here? How does that whole thing work? You know? But my guess is, every one of you, including myself, are here for a reason, and if we're here for a reason, God says, I need a nose, and I need an arm, and I need a thumb, and I need whatever that is. I need that here. Which means there might even be some people who might feel threatened who are in ministries and say, you know what, we've got another two or three people that are gifted in your area. We're going to share the load. And lastly, I think some of us are deceived. We have bought into the consumer mentality of the church. We actually think the church exists for us. Isn't that funny? (laughs) I go to that church because they have a great youth program. You know what? I hope every church has a great youth program, but, uh, you know, I go to that church because the worship, the preaching. I go to that church because, and you just put it in there. Well, because it meets all my needs. You know, one of the things that I share with people is that each of us, I have to ask why we're here. I haven't been here long enough, but at the last church I was at, it was right in the, we were really, really close when we were in Palatine to Harvest Bible Chapel and to Willow Creek and to actually uh, the Orchard. Now, those are three pretty large churches. I'm just letting you know. And, And all those preachers have a tendency, just like any other preacher, to sometimes offend people. And so people leave those churches. And they come into our church and they go, oh, Rick, I love your church and I love you and you are so kind and you are... And I'm like pinching myself like, who are you talking about? You know? And within a few minutes after they take a breath, I go, whoa, so you've been walking with God for like 35 years and and you love Jesus with all your heart and apparently you're leaving the church for a really good reason and you probably, if you're coming here, are needed here. What are your gifts and how can we help you jump in? Whoa, 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 Rick. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I said. Uh, I'm coming here because you're friendly and you're this and you're that. I go, no, 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 no. Because you know what? In three months, you're going to be mad at me. 
and you're going to be mad at everyone else, and you're going to go somewhere else, and you're going to be crabby some more. And so actually, I wasn't the most popular person at times, as I said that. But let me wrap this up. In a perfect world, honestly, why aren't people lining up eager to serve? In a perfect world, why is it that some people have to come out three years before they think, oh, three years? I don't know your stage in life right now. I don't know your story. I am not at all saying that everybody better put in 14 hours this week. I'm really not. But you know what I am saying? Is that you're here to equip and to serve others in this church. Why is it when I've been at churches where you get all the statistics and they say, whoa, 50% of your people are serving somewhere. Rick, you are a terrific leader. And I honestly go like, are you serious? We're excited about 50? 50? Well, yeah, Rick, I mean, the majority is 22% all over America. Well, let's just jump for joy. We, we have another, you know, 27% in this church, so we're really godly. Are you serious? God just says this. Not everyone's supposed to serve every moment, every day, and, and every second. But if you are here, God just says this. You've been gifted. Find out where you're supposed to plug in. Do it with all the energy that God has given you. In fact, I'll let you know that one of my main ministries is recruiting pumpy tires, helping people find the joy in ministry. It's actually not that Rick does the ministry. Whoa, I wouldn't have voted for you. <laughs> that happened. I mean, come on. <laughs> You're supposed to do all this kind of stuff, aren't you? You know, it's really cool. We got some deacons here that really care well for people. We probably could use a few more. We got some trustees that are amazing. My guess is they could use a hand here and there. And you can go right through it. Well, you got Nawana leaders, and you got this, and you got that. You know, I don't know where God wants you. But I'm telling you, we miss out if you are not serving people well here. That's all. My dad's, um, many of you know my background, but my dad, um, he, was, he was pretty passionate about serving. And his life verse is a verse that he lived out. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And at the end of this chapter, Paul just says this, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always, always Always, always. 
always work enthusiastically for the Lord. I'm not so sure I always served growing up enthusiastically or with great um, motivation. I saw my dad all the years of my life do more than any one person possibly could do. Because he knew his life was short. Peter's doxology. Oh, how can I not finish? Uh, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Hey, is it, you want a promise today? How many of you know whatever you do is going to be successful? None of you. But here's, you serve the Lord enthusiastically. Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Nothing, 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 nothing. I loved it yesterday. There were a few folks in the kitchen. And we had this unbelievable meal. And one of them, I just thanked them. And they came back very quickly. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't really do a lot. All I did was, whoa! Put out a feast? I think I ate too much. But thank you. Because if you didn't do what you did, I'm pretty sure the guys that unplugged the plumbing over at that parsonage couldn't have done what they did. And I think you probably had a better deal anyway. Keep away from sewage. (laughs) Peter's doxology. All glory and power and honor to him forever. And that's what happens when we serve our Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for reminding us how much you love this church. Thank you for believing that you have right people here. Thank you, dear God, that you have graciously given each one of us one or two or eight gifts. And Lord, the only reason that we have gotten them is because you have chosen that that's what's best for this church. Would we, with enthusiasm and excitement, Father, serve each other, equip them well, set people up well, so that they might be able to serve you with all their hearts. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.